I mean, I have thrown a nine iron in a tree and had to get on a golf cart to get it out. I donated a brand new five wood to a lake that never was retrieved. I've broken probably 20 clubs, punched enough steering wheels that I'm grateful that I've never broke a hand. I mean, we're talking temper, bad attitude. My dad would like kick me out of tournaments. And so there was always that rage. There was always that temper. And it was like, how can we control the Hulk? You know, how can we like calm this guy down? Because there's some good golf in here, but we're just, we get too emotional. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols. And on this episode, we've got Michael Leonard of Wicked Smart Golf. We're going to be talking about how to get into a good mental space before the round, why expecting bad things to happen is actually a good strategy, how to catch yourself when you're going mentally off the rails, and more. And this is just part one of two, so stay tuned for more on the next episode with Michael. You'll hear him talk about it, but he quit his six-figure job to fully dive into golf from both a business side and a playing side. So needless to say, the guy loves the game, and exciting it's exciting for me to hear someone so passionate about golf talk about their love for it in the pursuit of improvement. But before we get into this episode, if you feel like you need one-on-one work on your mental game, that's what I do. Yes, I host this podcast, but my actual occupation is working with players all over the world on their golf psychology. If you like the Mental Golf Show, this is the exact type of stuff that I work on with players. The topics that we cover, the questions I ask, the type of things that I say, that uh, my uh, interview guests say, this is the exact type of stuff that I work on with my players. So if you would like to take the next step to improve your mental game, then send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com, or you can visit my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. Or... If you'd like a less formal intro to mental coaching, you could take the mental game assessment. It's a 15-minute questionnaire that will give you your mental strengths and your biggest area for mental improvement. It's a great resource to start working on your mental game, and the best part is it's free. We have put out approximately... 12 or 1300 of these assessments and we hand do them we hand send them back so that's a that's an amazing figure to say so thank you to everyone who's taken the assessment i highly recommend it we get a lot of great feedback from it a lot of a lot of really kind emails in response to the assessment report that we send out so highly encourage you to go take that the link to everything that i've mentioned including michael leonard's stuff it'll be in the show notes of this episode All right, let's learn how to find that good mental space in your competitive rounds with Michael Leonard. I hope you enjoy. Michael, thank you for joining the Mental Golf Show. I appreciate you being here. This is, uh, it's an honor to get to talk to you. So uh, yeah, thanks for being here. Absolutely, man. Thank you. It was great uh, chatting with you from my podcast. Excited to be on here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just, just right at the top, Everyone go listen to Wicked Smart Golf. Uh, Michael's Michael's doing some good stuff over there. So and and he was gracious enough to have me on. So um, I everyone go listen. That's I appreciate him being being generous enough, stooping low enough, scraping the bottom of the barrel to have me on. Not at all, man. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Okay, so let's um, let's start with you. Uh, how did you? I know a little bit of your background just from social and your website, but maybe you could explain like, how did you end up doing what you're doing right now? And the kind of the arc of your golf career and love for the game. 
Yeah, no, it's a it's a good question. It's uh, been a 25 year journey or so since I started playing uh, playing golf. And uh, as we talked about a little bit on my episode with you, uh, definitely had a very slow learning curve. So I got started in the game. Uh, I was like 10, 11 years old. And uh, really, that was, you know, I was playing other sports and stuff, but uh, just did, wasn't very big. I was 4'10 when I went into high school and uh, definitely wasn't. I love football, I love basketball. So I played some of those. But then uh, pretty quickly, when you're when you're not even five feet tall, weighing maybe a buck 20, you're, uh, you're not really getting asked to play a lot of other sports. So luckily, I had found out uh, about golf. I'd actually broke my wrist uh, the year before, too. And I was able to still play with the, the cast I had on it. Uh, it was kind of wow. funny. So I was like, wow, I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed with this game. I, I, I like the challenge. And uh, so I ended up uh, going out for tryouts in high school, uh, having one of the the worst tryouts uh, you could probably ever have. And basically coach was like, you know, we don't have any spots on the team, but I see potential in you. Like, I really, I can see you want this. Uh, you know, we're going to create kind of a JV team for you and a couple other guys that I feel like, you know, there's some potential in the long run and uh, still grateful to coach York uh, to this day, uh, shouted him out in my uh, book in the forward. Cause this guy kind of changed my life, giving me that opportunity. And so first tournament freshman year, 124, uh, fast forward to senior year, uh, 74. So a little 50 mm. shot improvement wow. in uh, high school. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just lived at the golf course. Uh, it was, it was just kind of life for me. I worked at the golf course probably before you're allowed to, I don't know what child labor laws are, but I was like 13, 14, you know, working Same. at the golf course. <laughs> so back in, back in the good old days. Right. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I just, I loved the game and I just, uh, you know, tiger was coming up at that mm. time. And so it, it was just golf, golf, golf for me. I, I just, thought it was such a great challenge. I just loved the love that the, you know, I had to put in the work to, to get the results and it never came easy for me. I'm not like one of those guys are like, Oh, it's just a lot of talent. Like when people mm. say that now and they play with me, I'm like, you don't know. <laughs> this right. talent came from 20 years of work. And right. so, so that was kind of it for me. And then I was like, yeah, let's go to college. Let's play golf. And then when I got to college, I just kind of stopped loving golf. And uh, really, all of a sudden, you go from a small town in Oregon to a big uh, city in San Diego. And, uh, you know, it was just uh, I got excited with everything else, meeting new people and and just kind of had a different routine. And uh, I was really out of place. I, I quickly learned my game was not college worthy. It was a real small school. Uh, ended up walking on uh, redshirted first year, played again the second year and had to go through tryouts and stuff and still like liked the game, but just didn't love it. All of a sudden, there's a lot of other things to do uh, outside of. Of, of golf. And so it was at that moment, I still remember calling my coach and just being like, Hey, you know, my heart's not in it anymore. And I felt like kind of part of me died a little bit because making that uh, team was just such a big thing. I remember calling my family, my mom, dad, grandpa, like it was such a big moment to be a college player. And then, uh, you know, it kind of went away and and I stopped really playing golf for like six, seven years. And mm. uh, it was just, it was there, you know, I'd play here or there maybe once a month, a couple of cocktails with some friends and coworkers, but very, you know, very casual. I still watch golf and uh, would go to events and stuff, but yeah, I just never really was playing a lot, kind of going through corporate world, trying to, you know, make some money and figure out how the, how the real world exists. And so I was going through it and uh, luckily it was uh, my family and I are very close and we share a, a great bond and love spending time together. And so one of our things um, in 2016 was to go play uh, Pebble Beach together. We wanted to do it while everyone was still you know, healthy and and uh, could just make it happen. And so me and my uh, girlfriend and mom and dad and aunt and uncle all took a trip to Pebble Beach. And so we booked it like six months in advance. And uh, at that time in my career, I was kind of going through something. I, I was Googling how to retire early, um, you know, and when you're only sure. 26, 27, that's probably not the best thing. And I had a great job, great career. 
um, you know, young workforce, ping pong tables, kegs. I mean, it was as good as it gets, mm-hmm. you know, for, for a corporate world, but I still felt like there was more out there for me. And I, and I really liked entrepreneurship. And so um, it kind of just, you know, I had some extra time. I was experimenting with different things and um, ended up going and uh, really going all in on golf. Cause I was like, well, you know, we're going to Pebble beach. I don't want to like just, you know, shoot 85 out there. Mm-hmm. And so for six months that we, before we booked it, all I did was golf. I mean, I, before work would uh, go to the gym and then go to the golf course i would go to work for a few hours go putt at lunch i would go back for a few hours and then as soon as four o'clock hit boom back at the golf course Mm. and uh, kind of fell in love with it and i got to give my girlfriend some props she was like hey you're really good like i don't know why you don't play more and so Mm. she was kind of the driving force to get me out there and uh we went to pebble and it was just awesome i I ended up shooting in the high 70s at pebble from the tips and then uh shot 73 at spyglass and i was like man this is this is cool you know i was like man the young mike that's shooting 124 is going to be uh pretty proud of this uh you know if he could if he could just see where you're at and uh it was kind of when i got back that i was like dang now like I really like want to see what what could happen, you know. And I was like, let's just you know start signing up for some tournament golf again. And and then uh, fast forward seven years later, uh, played in probably two hundred days of tournaments. Went to Q school and then uh, quit my job in uh, twenty seventeen to go all in on entrepreneurship and and try and make pro golf a thing. And uh, instead, stayed amateur and and just have played a ton of events. And uh, yeah, to kind of just always been a golf writer the last five years or so. And so I was like, man, I really want my own brand uh, more on the mental mm-hmm. side, more on the course management. And so that's when I launched Wicked Smart Golf, my book and uh, podcast in uh, 2022. And pretty much now it's either write about it, talk about it, or uh, go out and tee it up. So it's uh, yeah. it's been kind of a crazy journey, but yeah, golf's always been a central theme in my life. Yeah, I can tell. That's, uh, that's awesome. And it is that all golf has ever been for you is uh, just the love that I just have for it or has it ever turned into job and like when you're trying to play it professionally? Yeah, it's really never been a job, I guess. I feel right. like I I always I've loved it for different reasons at different times yeah. in my life. You know, when I was younger, I loved uh my grandpa. Uh he was just the man. And I remember going out and playing with him. He he had a busted shoulder, so he he only played with one arm and he Whoa. smoked a cigarette. And so his back, his, his left hand was in his pocket, his back pocket. He's got a bucket hat on smoking like a long cigarette <laughs> and playing with one arm and he could still play great. And I was just like, I still remember that. I get chills just thinking about it. Cause it was so cool to, you know, have memories like that. And so golf was just, I mean, my family's not, not a good, not a good golf family or anything right. like that. We just had fun. Uh, my family's motto was play bad fast. <laughs> and so <we're, laughs> That's a good motto. Yeah. Uh, you know, had some, had a lot of m- good memories out there there. And then, you know, it was fun in high school and college. It kind of gave me my, uh, my purpose a little bit and kind of gave me a a guiding light. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, in, then uh, when I was in my twenties, it was just kind of like fun to go out and, and play with coworkers and stuff like that. And then now in my uh, mid thirties, it's just uh, a different part. Now it's a business, but it's really still just a a deep love of it. And uh, it's just a constant quest. I I feel like the best golf still ahead of me, even though I'm coming up on 40 in a few years. Yeah, that's that's a good way to that's a good long-term process view. Yeah, and that's I think golf can be anything to anyone, you know. I just think that yes. that's the that's the moral of the story. Is like there's everyone loves it for different reasons. It could just mm-hmm. be an escape, it could just be a passion. It, there's a lot of things you can get with it. And I love the the business aspect. I love meeting people. Um, obviously very extroverted. So, you know, one round of golf, you can become best friends with somebody and, you know, meet them and hang out with them the rest of your life. So, I've always loved that too. 
That's a great, great point. I'm, I'm not as extroverted. I, I love playing by myself. That's so to your point, it's, it's different for everybody, right? Like yeah. it's, it can be an amazing solo activity. It can be amazing group activity. So that's, I, I love your perspective on the game. So, so you mentioned your book, Wicked Smart Golf. What inspired you to write it? Um, I haven't, I haven't personally read it. I look forward to reading it, but what's it about? What, what made you want to write a book? Like that's a big endeavor. So what, what happened? Yeah. There? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So kind of my first entrepreneurial uh, endeavor was starting a blog. So I was really into personal finance in my 20s and uh, was really passionate about helping millennials because I felt like college taught us nothing about how to buy a house, pay off debt, you know, life. Same. And so I had a little chip on my shoulder about that. So I started a blog and that was kind of my first thing. And, and I was a terrible writer. And mm. I mean, just just so bad, but just kind of like golf, you got to keep going, you get better, you figure it out, you learn, you get mentors, stuff like that. And so when I when I first quit my job, I was writing and uh, freelancing and had my own blog. And so that that was kind of the start of it. But it was never about golf. It was about personal finance. I got into self improvement, other topics. And then uh, I had one client or one person, I, I saw a job board for a golf writing gig. And I was like, oh, man, that'd be pretty cool. And so I remember landing it. It was just like absolute peanuts compared to what I was making in uh, sure. the corporate world. But it was like, whoa, somebody paid me to write about golf. And it kind of planted the seed. And uh, it was just one of those moments where I, I think it was a 30 to dollar gig. I mean, it was literally like not even going to spend that. Like I could spend that Taco Bell by myself. You know? So we're talking minimal <laughs> amounts. You think I'm joking. That's and, a lot of uh, Taco Bell. <laughs> it's, I'm a, there's a fat kid inside me. So yeah, he, he's sure. always trying to get out. So, yeah. you know, it was just one of those things where I was like, man, somebody paid me to write about golf. And so then I ended up landing another client and I've written for one client I've worked with for like five and a half years now. And he was always kind of like there and a great client. And I was always doing other things. I was selling online courses, doing online coaching, trying to help other people quit their job. And so I had a lot of success there, but I just always felt like golf was still there because I'm still playing in all these tournaments. I went to Q school. And so golf was like half my life. And then like entrepreneurship and business was the other half. And then I was like, man, we got to just blend these together. There's just mm -hmm. too much back and forth. And so I did publish a book in 2017. It's a very small book. Um, and that was like, I got outsourced to, to do that for like a, a company that does like how to kind of guide. So it's like more of like a pamphlet, but real sure. small book. And so, and then I published another book, um, on personal finance for millennials in 2017. So I knew a little bit about it and obviously I've freelance and, and been a writer at that point. And so for me, I just had all this stuff in my head. I was like, I just got to get it out. And I'm old school. I like the hard copy or the paperback, mm -hmm. you know, being able to hand them out. And uh, I think maybe I subconsciously did it because my parents were like, how do you make money? I still don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, right. So, I sell this uh, thing. Yeah, right. I was like, hey, yeah. guys, it's real. Like, this is yeah. this is it. And yeah. so basically, Wicked Smart Golf is how to play better golf without changing your swing. And so mm. the whole premise is 111 ways inside using a five pillar approach, uh, basically going through the mental game, uh, more efficient practice, putting, uh, short game, and then, of course, learning how to make better decisions on the course. And so I felt like just with my experience as a golf writer playing 20 plus years and just playing in tons and tons of events, you know, people were always asking me the same kind of questions and stuff. So I wanted to have this as kind of a guide. And then uh, my goal was to always launch the podcast. And so they kind of came out together and, and they kind of play off each other. And eventually I'm going to get this recorded in an audio book and do some, some extras and stuff since I published it about a year year and a half ago, some things have, I'd like to update and kind of include mm. a little bit more. So that's kind of how Wicked Smart got started. I 
I just felt like there's so much content about golf out there, but most of it is, you know, swing stuff and grip Mm -hmm. stuff and equipment stuff. And that does play a big role, but at the same time, you know, you can have a perfect swing, but if your mental game is trash or you're playing Mm -hmm. clubs that aren't fit for your, for your game, or you don't work on your putting, like you're just leaving shots out there. So I think the book kind of, for me, was like something I always like to think about, Hey, I'd hand this to my younger self, be like, read this, please. Mm -hmm. I swear it'll help. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. That's that's usually a good a good way to inspire how you want to help somebody is because the the younger version of yourself is someone out there. It's another person. Either I heard I heard one time either like if you're going through a problem, someone else has either gone through it or will go through it, right? So you can either be helped or help them with it. So you the the things that you've gone through are things that other people need to hear about. So that's an awesome inspiration for that. As far as, I mean, you mentioned mental game, right? This is the mental golf show. So that's, that's obviously a primary, primary subject. When you say mental game and it's a broad thing, what, what do you mean when you say mental game? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. It is such a broad topic. And and I remember, I think it was Dr. One of the Dr. Bob Bertellos, you know, was kind of my first interaction in the mental game. I want to say, I don't know if it was high school or maybe it was college, but, you know, it wasn't a big reader. wasn't a, a what. So it's funny that I'm a writer now and, yeah. uh, you know, Harry Potter books don't count. And so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I disagree. I love, I love Harry Potter. So, there you go. So, huge, huge geek. But, uh, you know, I remember reading that one of, I think it was golf is not a game of perfect. And it just Mm kind of opened my mind a little bit to being like, wow, there is a lot of, there's a lot of misunderstandings about it. And it's just like a low hanging fruit that I could apply because I had the worst mental game. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. I have thrown a nine iron in a tree and had to get on a (laughs) golf cart to get it out. I donated a brand new five wood to a lake that never was retrieved. Mm -hmm. I've broken probably 20 clubs. Uh, I mean, punched enough steering wheels that I'm grateful that I've never broke a hand. I mean, we're talking temper, Mm. bad, you know, bad attitude. My dad would like kick me out of tournaments. Like I just was a a pouty little kid pretty much. And so there was always that rage. There was always that temper. And it was like, how can we control the Hulk? You know, how can we Mm. like calm this guy down? Because there's some good golf in here, but we're just, we get too emotional. And, you know, I think that for me, the mental game is figuring out your best version. I don't know if there's, you know, everyone's wired differently. Like you said, some people are introverts, some people are extroverts, some people are, you know, just even keel, like nothing ever bothers them. Some people, you know, a little more up and down like myself. And so the mental game for me is, is learning how to get out of your own way and just figuring out how to have more fun in in the process because when you do and you don't let your mind sabotage you so much you're going to not only play better but you're going to have more fun and right. so i'm i'm pretty grateful that i went through a lot of mental health not i don't say mental health but you know i went through starting a business quitting your job you know, a lot of ups and downs in my personal life. And it was, you know, going to Tony Robbins events and getting into meditation and doing different things that was like, oh man, you know, my mind is controlling this experience um, in life and in golf. And so it's like, you can't be, you know, if you're going to be good on the golf course, you got to be good off the golf course too. And so really that's kind of where it went out to, I want to start this podcast. I want to pick the brains of, you know, really smart people, wicked smart people and and Mm -hmm. figure out how we can, figure it out. And I think to me, it's like you, we talked about a little bit on your show or your episode on my show, like 
you have to figure out everyone's starting point. You know, some people have never slammed a club and broke it like I have, you know, but they mm. have fear of failure issues. They have mm. these different things. And so it's like, you have to figure out what it is. Um, but I think that everyone can benefit from the mental game. You know, if you're shooting in the hundreds or you're breaking par as a you know tournament player, there's always things you can do. And so I don't really think there's one necessarily definition for the mental game. It's just figuring out how you can get out of your own way to really tap into your potential. And I think that being a Tiger fan has always helped, you know, because he's just been, yeah, he had every part of his game, but his Mm. mental game was truly unbelievable. And he just, I would kill for an hour, you know, podcast with him so we could learn a little bit more about, you know, stuff like (laughs) that. Cause he's so private and, you know, Mm. it's just a lot of speculation. I've read books about, you know, his mom doing meditation Mm. and his dad doing hypnotherapy. So I'm just fascinated with it. And I kind of consider myself a Guinea pig. So I'll try anything and, Mm. uh, you know, let people know, Hey, this worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you. And, uh, yeah, I guess I just want people to enjoy this game as much as I do and, and hopefully get out of their own way for some low scores. Yeah. So your, your journey, you've gotten a lot better over the years. So I'm assuming the mental game has been a large part of that. So what have you seen in your own journey to like, how recent was the steering wheel punching and the club snapping and the club throwing? Like, uh, is that something you still struggle with and understandably so, or is this something you put to bed at some point? (laughs) I, I wish I could say I put it a hundred percent to sleep. It's dormant most of the time. And, uh, you know, I, it's, it's just, I run hot. I get excited. Yeah. I'm very passionate. And so I see what I can do in practice and I see the shots I can hit. And so mm. I feel like at, at times my, my physical game was better than my mental game. And then at times I felt like my mental game was better than my physical game. So personally where I'm at right now is that I've had the best year mentally i had two rounds that were uh horrific with the mental side but i learned a lot from it so i don't really think i'm not i'm and i'm never preaching you know perfection i'm just Uh. like walking around out there just super calm cool collected you know every shot of every round but i think having the brand and wearing the hat you know with it and literally thinking about it like and i'll get paired with people who are like i've actually listened to your podcast you know nice so i feel like 99% 99% of the time, I'm proud of it. But yeah, yeah. there's still that 1% that, uh, you know, I, I won't lie. I want it. I, I'm really excited. I've finished in the top 25, you know, in amateur rankings in Arizona the last few years. And I just seen a lot of improvements in my game. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I definitely want it. And uh, there's just sometimes like it was, I had a US Open qualifier in May and I was feeling great heading into the mm-hmm. round. And I don't know, just did not click. And yeah, there was a, there was a vicious club throw and I was like, what mm-hmm. are we doing? You know, yeah. like, you know, these things, you know, this stuff. And, and, uh, you know, I talked <laughs> to my, one of my mental coaches after the round and we, you know, we got a lot from it. And so, you know, hopefully people are listening, like, you're never going to be perfect. You're never probably going to be a hundred percent exactly how you want, but it's like, Hey, are you learning from it? Are you improving? And hopefully it's, it's to not keep making the same mistakes. And so like one thing that's worked well for me is like, if if there's a certain action you don't like on the golf course, like uh, slamming a club or cussing or whatever it is, is to write, like notate it when you do it. Because like the more you like, hey, you know, I made a four in that hole, I had one, you know, one swear word or whatever. And then, you know, five holes later, you did it again after you hit it in the water. Like, and then you start to realize like, you know, you realize it. And so- it's a journey for sure. Um, but my mental game has improved a hundred X from mm-hmm. what it was 
six, six, six and a half years ago when I got back right. into tournament golf. Yeah. And so, yeah, I definitely feel like it's a weapon now. Um, I played a buddy in a match play competition and he's like, man, I was worried about, we ended up having a duel. He ended up getting me on the last hole, but he's like, I knew that there was only one guy who feared mentally. And that was mm. you. I was like, that's, that's the greatest compliment I could get. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's just like, you gotta get this thing under control. If you want to play, play your best. Yeah. Okay. So when you're doing that kind of journaling of, okay, I noticed myself doing this. I noticed myself doing this. I'm, I'm trying to have a fewer outward outbursts. Let's say that's the thing you're trying to do. So in the next round you go play where it's got some pressure, I'm feeling good going in. Is it an active running thing on your mind that says, okay, this is a priority for me today? Or is it a, I'm just going to I'm going to play this round and vaguely care about it. How, how much attention do you pay to that as you're, as you're playing? Pretty actively, not like not actively thinking about it in every hole, but I'm, I'm aware of it. It's like in the background, just, just sure. in case. And so I think one thing that is two things that have helped me. One is like kind of like doing a brain dump before a tournament. So as I mentioned, I play tons of tournaments, like 60, 65 days a year so. I play more term. I don't, I only play pretty much practice rounds of tournaments. Like there's very mm. few casual rounds in my life. So everything's yeah. kind of just a tournament and that's a good thing, but yeah, it's easy to, you know, put the pressure on yourself and things like that. So what I started doing is just kind of like brain dumping. I feel like a lot of times before events, I would just have so much in there, you know, whether it's how to play this whole, how to do this. And so I'm super detailed and I will just obviously a writer as well. So I'll just kind of mm. like write as much as I can, like get the mental space clear. Huh. Um, and I feel like that has really helped. Uh, that, that is one thing. And then another thing that I don't remember even where I got this, but it's just expecting some bad things to happen. Like, I yeah. think that visualization is like great and we all know the benefits to it and everything. But the problem is, at least with me, I was always visualizing like a perfect round and right. I've played Same. 25 years and I've never had a perfect round. And so it's like visualizing and wanting the best is great. I'm all for optimistic, positive thinking. But at the same time, you have to be realistic. Like when Jim Furyk shot 58, he probably hit a shot he didn't like in there. You yeah. know what I mean? So what what is like Michael Leonard, some 36-year-old amateur going to be playing great and hit every shot perfect? Like it's not right. going to be the case. So I kind of give myself like five to seven shots. And I'm like, you can't get mad if mm. if it's the first five to seven. And a lot of times I won't even hit five to seven really bad shots but right. it's kind of like there it's kind of like teasing myself a little bit because you know you can shoot under par and hit some bad shots i shot 68 a few weeks ago or yeah two weeks ago and i had three three putts yeah i mean those were and they were they were tough 50 60 foot putts but you know i, st I stuck with it and i just kept making i make a bogey make a birdie make a bogey make a birdie and so um those are two things that have definitely helped and uh yeah i mean it's it's just constantly like thinking to myself, how can I stay as cool, calm and collected? And the last thing actually, I kind of, kind of forgot is yeah. kind of created an alter ego. So hmm. I call him mellow Mike. Mellow Mike is the guy you want, the guy I imagine I could be. Yeah. And so I, I just try and think as soon as I, and you talked about it on our show, as soon as I pull in the course, I'm like, mellow Mike's here. Nothing else matters. It's not, you're hmm. not an entrepreneur right now. You're not anything else you are solely focused on playing golf as mellow as possible because when i'm as chilled out and you know not letting competitors or conditions or things bother me you know then you're able to really focus and, and dial it in so i don't know if that works for everyone but for me that has kind of been a, a really good thing the last couple of months that i've been kind of implementing yeah yeah so that 
I love the expecting bad things to happen. And most people would have a visceral reaction to that and say, whoa, 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 you can't, pure positivity. Why would you ever even entertain the idea of a negative thing? Have you ever played golf that five (laughs) hours, it's five hours of entertaining bad things happening, right? And Uh so it's like you're, expecting perfection is is a horribly unhealthy unrealistic expectation that sets you up for surprises every time that a bad thing happens so you've you've set you've got to a place where you can set yourself up and say bad things are gonna happen i'm not gonna be surprised by it they will disappoint me i'm not a robot but okay bad things are gonna happen and that's all right yeah it i i think that's one of the best tips like a give anyone like literally i i love it because it yeah. should it could happen on the first hole it could happen on the ninth hole it could happen anytime but you're just not going to hit a hunt, like 70 65 however many shots you're hitting perfect ones it's just not going to happen and so right. you know giving yourself that room to quote unquote fail and the thing is like you can still play good with some bad shots you know right just, a lot of times when i hit a bad shot then i think the law of averages is coming out and i i positive self-talk my way and be like oh this is a time where you can really make you know hit a great shot like just play your game like you know you hit a bad shot and then all of a sudden you bounce back hit a good one you get tons of momentum make a putt you know things like that so i always like to think there's a lot of opportunity and yeah i encourage optimistic thinking with everyone but you know it you'd be a little little brainwashed to think you're never gonna (laughs) you know get some bad luck and the problem is you could hit a great shot and still get screwed you know you could hit it perfect middle of the fairway it ends up in a divot you know or something like that and yes. so you, you got to be, you got to be ready for it. That's right. Really well said. So you, you said you 65 competitive rounds a year and it's either practice rounds for those or those rounds. That's, that's all the golf you play. Do you, do you spend much time like actually working on your game, like practicing, hitting range balls, chipping, putting? Season, uh, depends on the quarter. So yeah, Jan- uh, Q1, there's a lot of Q4 and Q1 are the time to make any big changes. You know, my swing's kind of my swing. I haven't really worked with anybody in two or three years. So I kind of know yeah. my game at this point. Um, and so, yeah, those are more of the times where I do spend more technical or might try out a different training aid, or maybe I, you know, would get a lesson or, or try out different equipment, things like that. But yeah, I was actually thinking about that. I'm like, I haven't had a good quality practice session in a few Mm. months because I had, I had like three, pretty much three or four weekends in June. Um, I had three or three events in July and then August was, I think I had 13 days of tournament golf in August. So it wasn't the, yeah. So, you know, at that point, it's just like, you know, really just trying to get one or two swing thoughts heading into the week. And, uh, you know, if I'm noticing something, I like to record, uh, my practice rounds a lot or record shots mm-hmm. during it. And, and I find that that's as good as anything. Cause you can be really good in on the range. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the course and, and like, maybe you're just doing something a little different. Like, for example, I, I tend to aim right. Um, subconsciously, I don't know, or, or why that specifically is, but on the range, you know, you got a line mistake, you're fine. Yeah. You're hitting at the same target. But then all of a sudden, when I was like playing these practice rounds, I record it. I noticed my aim's getting a little bit off. And so then I kind of like, oh, man, it's just it's the little things, you know, when you when you get to a certain level. But uh, yeah, so I I don't grind it out as much when I'm going through that. My goal is to show up to a tournament as refreshed as possible. Um, I'm not a range rat. I get super bored at the range. And so I try and be really intentional with practice. Love short game practice. But um, yeah, for me, it's just trying to get to the tournament as refreshed uh, physically and mentally as I can be, because I know I have the skills and have the, the talent. It's just making sure I'm you know, giving myself the best uh, chance to succeed. 
All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this conversation with Michael. I really liked the way that he talked about expecting bad things to happen. Expecting perfection, that's an unhealthy expectation, and it leads to a lot of surprises and added frustration. Instead, understand this isn't going to go perfectly. There will be bad shots. Golf is hard. The best in the world can't play perfectly. I really, really like that concept. So stay tuned for part two. We get into a ton more detail of ways you can improve your mental game. And again, all the links to Michael's stuff will be in the show notes. So be sure to go check him out. He's done a lot of good stuff. And as I always mentioned at the end of these episodes, what you've heard isn't therapy. It's meant for information and entertainment purposes only. If you feel like you need personal help on some deeper things you're going through, I encourage you to go talk to a licensed professional. But on the golf psychology front, if you feel like what you've heard doesn't quite cut it and you'd like to work one-on-one with someone, I'm a golf psychology coach. I work with players all over the world on improving their minds so they can improve their performance on the course. If you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com or you can visit my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. Or again, if you'd like a less formal intro where you don't even need to talk to me, you could talk. You could take the mental game assessment. It's a 15-minute questionnaire that'll give you your mental strengths and your area of uh, most needing mental improvement. And again, the best part is it is free. The link to everything I've mentioned, including Michael's stuff, that'll be in the show notes of this episode. All right, thanks again to everybody who listens to The Mental Golf Show. Whether you're new here or you've been here since day one, I really appreciate the community that you have been a part of building. If you've learned something on this episode or on this podcast, go subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Maybe mention the biggest thing that you've learned listening to this podcast underneath those five stars, of course. Maybe it's something you learned from this episode, from hearing how Michael talks about his love for the game and and his frustration with the game and and what he does to, to be able to handle it. Go mention that in that review. I think it'd be a great way for other people to get introduced to this uh, podcast. And I'd also love it if you shared this episode with a friend who expects perfection out of their game. They need to hear how expecting bad things to happen is actually a good strategy. Okay, thanks for listening to The Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and I will catch you guys next time.